All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Provratsky alongside player turned coach Lauren Roberts from, from the U of M. Lauren, uh, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Super excited. So, L Lauren, Lauren is grinding it out. She has like three jobs this summer. So, she's <laughs> He is a saint for putting up with a random <laughs> cold message that I sent to her and being game to do a show. That's why that's why we have two weekend shows this week, which is nuts. Yeah. Tom also suggested a weekend time, so I'm not normally bringing the weekend content. But Lauren, so I mostly know about your story from hearing from coaches and staff with the program who were both really impressed with your play your freshman year, and you know you had a lot of potential then, but also just speak highly of you as a person, and obviously you're still around as a coach. Um, so talk a little bit about sort of that that situation that led to you having to transition away from being a player, and then you know how you decided to I you know go I still want to be with the program, I want to you know be a student assistant, I want to be on the coaching staff and stick with the team. Talk about sort of you know how you went through that and processed that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll kind of take it back to I was 17 at the time that like all these health issues started. And I'm almost 20 now. So it's been a, it's been a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, kind of going back to like that season, like I came in already with an injury. I started with a concussion. And so for kind of the beginning of that season, I really didn't even get to participate in a lot. And I'm gonna be honest, I didn't come in fit either. So that was a big issue, too. So I had to work back into that and I was able to get some minutes at the end of the season, which was really cool. And then I guess that's kind of where my health started to decline a little bit was during the winter, um, which like as a student athlete, you have pain and that's like normal. Like you get sore after workouts, you run and that's completely normal. But like I just had like chest pain, back pain, and it was really odd. And so I think that was kind of why I decided to get checked out at the I guess it was the emergency room, which is where we went. Right. And that whole time I kind of thought, OK, I'm just going to get checked out. They're going to say I like tore a muscle in my back or something. Right. And I'm just going to go back to playing. And so, right. you know, through the whole time we're sitting there two or three hours, we're like, Hey, like, it's kind of weird that they haven't figured mm -hmm. out anything yet or kind of said like, Hey, you guys are fine. You can go home. It was, it was a little bit scary. I would say because at right. this point, I'm like, okay, this must be a little bit serious because they're still keeping us here. And so, you know, after the doctor kind of came in and told us like what was going on, which also I, I had a pulmonary embolism, which I don't know how many people know what that is, but it's right. basically like blood clot in my lungs and it kind of makes it hard to breathe. It makes it obviously difficult to do physical activity. So um, it's a pretty serious one, especially for being 17 years old. Like it's not one that you would see very commonly. Mm -hmm. um, but even at that time, after they told me like how rare it was and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to take some medicine. We'll be fine. I'll get out of the hospital. I'll go back to playing. Right. And, you know, that kind of mentality stayed with me for, I would say, I mean, months after I got out of the hospital. Like I started going back to soccer workouts. I was training again. Like I didn't ever think that that was going to be what ended my soccer career, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, I guess, kind of, realizing how serious it was it was pretty scary i think to know right. that like if i had held it off for any longer i could have had permanent lung damage basically and so right. and obviously you don't think about that with injuries like you know you <laughs> see the common ones in soccer like acl or mcl or something like that and you know you come back from those you do rehab you come back from those whereas this one was it was an anomaly like a complete like glitch in the system it felt like right. and so you know, kind of after that and talking to the coaching staff and deciding that it was best that I, you know, medically retired, that was 
a hard decision, but it was a necessary one for my future, you know, at the right. end of the day, because, you know, it's kind of like present happiness versus future happiness was kind of the debate that I had. And although that soccer has been such a huge part of my life, it was super necessary that I thought about this from a future standpoint. Right. Um, and so kind of having those conversations with the coaches about deciding what the next steps were with the program. Like I, I loved the program before I was even committed and I loved coming to the games and I loved the school. So it, I think it was a pretty easy decision for me to join the staff. Um, right. While the transition wasn't necessarily the easiest and the reason for joining the staff isn't right. necessarily the easiest. I think it was something that while the situation of me getting there was unfortunate, I do think it was a very like, um, I think it was just a great decision overall. And I've been really excited with how things have been going so far. So. Right. It is. Yeah, it is crazy when you when you talk about it that way of like, it's a no brainer. I already liked the program and it was a good opportunity. It made me think uh, I've heard of a number of people who have sort of desperately tried to become like even an unpaid coach with the program who like used to DM Steph and text her and be like, hey, do you need help? I'll come in and I'll do. X, yeah. So it, it is funny now that you mentioned it that way. It's kind of like, well, I get experience being like interacting on the coaching staff of like a power five program, you know, so it, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of funny that you, I mean, you put yourself in that position by being a great player and being associated with the program, but it is, it is funny what a, like a silver lining that is of, let me just stay associated. Let me see what I can learn yeah. and, and all those things. And I think one of the funniest things for me to think about and some, some folks I chatted with before the show mentioned is, you know, obviously you went through the entire recruiting process. You were a well-regarded player. You met these coaches through that lens of them recruiting you to play and you, you know, meeting them through that process. But then you also sort of met and learned and build relationships with them as a player. And I actually think that's understated how different it is to build a relationship as a recruit versus a player. Like, I think, yeah. people, I think people don't understand how different that is because when you're getting recruited, it's all like, we want you for X, Y, and Z reason. You can do X, Y, and Z. You're going to do this. And then once you're on the team, it's like, it's a it's a lot harder love at that yeah. point because it's like, listen, we need you to live up. We're investing in you. But yeah. you, you had both of those experiences. But then after that, you had a third experience that I think players don't have, which is then you're interacting with these women and these, these staff members as sort of a peer or at least as like a fellow staff member. Yeah. And I'm super curious sort of how your relationship changed from you went from being a recruit to being a player to then you're kind of in the coach's room or, you know, I'm assuming sometimes you're at least in the coach's room. So what's the, I mean, how did those relationships change with, you know, with Steph, with Beck, with, with Maya, with SJ, with Corey, all these people? Yeah, um, it was definitely hard at first. And I'm sure that's kind of a given, like, it's hard going into a new situation. And like I said, like the way that I got into the situation wasn't necessarily great. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the hardest things was just accepting that that was my new role. Like, right. you know, I'm not like, I don't feel pain anymore. I don't have like a scar. Like mm -hmm. if I, you know, lost my memory for the last like five years, I would have no idea that that happened to me. Right. So right. It's so just like, like if someone asked you to go play soccer right now, you'd be like, sure. Yeah, like I would be like, yeah, sure. Like, right. I still have my cleats. Like, right. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's so it was, I think that was the biggest thing was like, okay, this is my new role. Now, how can I take that and kind of run with it? And so, kind of relating it back to the relationship part, like, while it is different, it is still the same, I think, in a way. Like, I am still learning from them. I'm still, 
kind of going to them for advice. And that hasn't changed regardless of if I'm a player or I'm working alongside them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think a big thing was just taking it step by step. You know, I'm obviously not going to be able to jump into this position and be, you know, mm-hmm. great at it or even really understand the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. But I think being able to have them already have that relationship as a player and then use that to learn more about coaching and learn more about, you know, what this job really entails has been really, really nice. And obviously, like, the relationship has grown so much. Like, I consider them, I guess, like, my friends now, even though that's kind of, like, weird to say because there is such, like, an age gap between me and some of them, but (laughs) a generational thing. But, I mean, I still think they are, you know, my friends, just like the teammates and the girls on the team are my friends too, which is a little bit complicated. But, yeah, it's definitely a balance for sure. So. Well, it's fun. I think it's funny because your experience is sort of just a slightly more extreme version of what assistant coaches deal with, too, where, you know, women I talk to who go from being an assistant to being a head coach talk about like, oh, there's all this stuff I didn't think about before. There's like, oh, I really didn't appreciate how you as a head coach had to deal with X, Y, Z. And you sort of went through that on the earlier stage of, oh, now I appreciate from a different perspective, even if it's not harder, it's just different, you know? Yeah. What were some of those initial things or some of the things that stick out to you of some of the realizations you had while you were, you know, while you're watching training instead of in it or that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned about is how much like planning practice takes. I never would have thought that there were like hours long meetings for planning (laughs) practice. But we sit there and talk about like every single detail. And I I just would show up to practice, do whatever. And they talk through like, okay, this minutes, this is how many minutes this is gonna take. Like it is so crazy the amount of detail that goes into playing our practices. And I still am amazed by it today. Like it still hasn't set in completely how much like planning a practice takes. And even just like talking about our game warm-up, like we, you know, it's down to the minute of how much time we get for each part of our game warm-up. And it's just, it's made me appreciate so much just being able to, It well, I mean, thinking about the girls, like, right. I could never think, of, never thought about that as a player, like, right. thinking about things down to the minute. But now I'm just like, how do, how do they not appreciate us? Like, that's all the stuff <laughs> I think about. And I'm just like, oh, that was me literally two years ago. So... <laughs> And is, and is and is Corey in there in those meetings saying like, listen, the load was too high this weekend. We got to go slightly low. Like that's one of the yeah. things I think people don't appreciate about the um, the athletic and the the you know the physios and the um, the health staff is I think I think Steph and this program historically use them to a degree that I don't think other programs always use them. I think the using that data of like, if you, if you go to a game and you see the players strap on the sort of the band or right before kickoff, if you're at ELR, you'll see them strap sort of that band right under their sports bra. Yeah. And that, that has that tracking data where it's tracking, you know, distance traveled is the simplest one, you know, heart rate, all those things, but it's tracking their workload. And, and like you mentioned, I think all the minute by minute, um, decision-making is in part because, you know, this program values that data and information where it's not some cutesy fun app we have on our phone. It's like a real thing. It's telling us what the wear and tear is. I've always found that fascinating because I just want, you know, I want Corey to just like pull out his laptop and like show me his data just, or even like the, um, 
you know, the player tracker stuff, sometimes I'll guess how long a player must have ran in a game, like when mm -hmm. Sophia's just like busting her ass and I'm like, yeah, gone 11 miles in this game. There's so much information. So yeah, I could see how that would be so wild to be behind that curtain. Yeah. And, and I think even on the flip side too, I think in terms of your teammates and then players who came in after where maybe you didn't overlap with them, but you know, new players. Yeah. I just think there's there's so many players over the last year-ish who dealt with health and safety protocol and medical situations and all those things, not just from COVID, but also from COVID, obviously. And I think, you know, I've, you know, we've heard about players either, you know, Meg told us about the time she had COVID. Obviously, Maddie Baker, we've reported, was, you know, out on medical protocol and then got cleared later in the year. And now she's, she's back training, which is awesome because I'm so psyched to see her out there. But yeah. did did players lean on you just because you'd been through that sort of medical situation before, you know, did, did um, players kind of use you as sort of a sounding board or did you ever feel like you wanted to be proactive and saying like, listen, like, you know, Baker, this is, you know, I know it sucks, but like, this is, you know, part of what you have to balance and just be safe. And so did, you know, were players coming to you or did you feel like you wanted to be sort of that voice for some of those women? Um, I mean, I think, Kind of going back to like the fall when our season got canceled, we had like a couple, I think it was like two or three injuries at one time randomly. And it was kind of a lot because we're still thinking at that point that our season is going to happen. And now we don't know what to do. And it was definitely a little bit difficult. And so I think at that time, I mean, I was still, I think, stepping into my role. So I don't know if I was as right. impactful as I could have been in those situations. Sure. But I think kind of thinking back to the spring and especially thinking about Baker, um, I I think the way that I kind of approached it was more of just how can I help her feel like she is making progress and things like that. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I did is she was running the pacer test and I just jumped in with her and just did it with her. And like, I hate running, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you need to build those relationships. And I feel, I feel like that is kind of the way that I approach them. I'm, I don't think I'm someone who's going to communicate that as well as I can show it in kind of right. just like a supportive way. So I think that's kind of how I took to those certain things. It's just like, okay, let me kind of be around them while they're doing rehab or kind of do it with them or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the way that I've, I guess, reached out, you could say to those right. girls that are kind of going through that, so. Right, well, and I imagine that in and of itself has to be a challenge if you're sort of someone who's not always, um, if you're sort of more of a show versus tell type person already, that must have been such a challenge as a coach. Like for you to jump in is great. I know when Molly was here, obviously she would jump in because she was only like 28 and still a yeah. you know, she, <laughs> she would just jump in and just beat girls and all that stuff. But it's for you, I'm sure that was also a, a transition of if I'm already sort of less of a verbal or a vocal leader and more of a showing like demonstrating leader, that must be that must have been a transition in and of itself. Did you find yourself trying to find more of your voice you know if you were more of a low-key player but now as a coach you sort of have to find ways to verbalize was that sort of a transition too yeah and i think it's it's definitely one of those things that's still kind of growing as i <laughs> kind of continue through this process but i mean i think one of the things that was really a big stepping stone for me was um the team i think traveled to michigan and i stayed back to train um izzy and donovan who yeah. couldn't compete at that time yeah. And I think that was a big piece for me because I was kind of able to like lead something and actually be able yeah. to, you know, plan the training session. And while it wasn't great, I will say it was a little bit difficult at first, but 
I mean, I think that was a really big learning moment for me because I was really in charge of, you know, planning practice and making sure that right. things were going accordingly. And mm-hmm. um, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, I got the hang of it. Like it was hard, but right. I also think that without that, I wouldn't have understood really what coaches go through on a daily basis. And I think it made me yeah. appreciate even more being able to learn from such great coaches because mm-hmm. not everyone has that ability and not everyone yeah. has, you know, a great program to learn from. And I think this is a really great place to be able to learn and kind of grow into this role that I'm kind of experiencing. So, right. That's also, that's such a nice, um, like throw you in the deep end experience for you because like, you know, Izzy has played at UNC. She's like this established, like she knows her shit. She knows what her game is, whatever. And then Donovan is a, you know, an early enrollee freshman, Lauren Donovan, who's, who, you know, by all accounts is actually filling the Lauren role and will maybe be a holding <laughs> midfielder, you know, for the, for the team next, next fall. But it's such extremes too. It's like an early enrollee who's, you know, still 18 and then some transfer who's already been at a, like a huge yeah. program, but then yeah. you're there, you're there coaching them. That would be so, I, I love the idea of just being like, all right, let's see how it goes guys. Let's, yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, and I think, you know, the, uh, I think one thing you might have too, as a player who, you know, you mentioned you weren't able to always do everything you wanted your first part of your freshman year. And then you got some minutes, but that season was so nuts. I mean, like that season was so bizarre for everybody, you know, in a, in a pretty frustrating way. Yeah. But I, I, I tend to think, you know, folks like you also have a really good perspective on players who are busting their ass in training or players who are really sort of showing some potential here and there. So, I mean, who are some players who maybe I didn't give a lot of attention to or didn't get a lot of shine or a lot of minutes, but you think actually have showed a decent amount of potential for maybe they can grow into a rotation role or a starting role or whatever it might be. You know, who are some players who sort of maybe don't get their fair due or even players we gave attention to, but you just think really show what they can do all the time and help lift, you know, all boats kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the first people I think of is Ava Brewer. Yeah. And her situation is just heartbreaking to me because right. I understand a little bit of what she's going through. Mm-hmm. But I think she's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And I mean, playing alongside her, like I, I was got the chance to play with her at Maple Brook right before coming in. Mm-hmm. So I was, I mean, I'm really glad I was able to do that. And then the fresh, my freshman year, we were we weren't healthy at the same time. So we weren't able to play together then. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of bummed that I won't really get to play with her, but right. I really do think that she's one of the hardest workers. And mm-hmm. I mean, she also is just someone who's willing to learn no matter what role it is. Like, I mean, when she's got minutes this, se- this season, that wasn't the role that she normally plays, but right. she <laughs> right. ran with it and, you know, was able to do just kind of go out and do something. And that's, kind of the mentality that you have to have in college sports because you know you're going to come into a completely different team different coaches than you've ever experienced and you just kind of have to take the role that you're given and run with it and she Mm -hmm. does exactly that no matter what it is and um I mean I just think that she's a really great example for people and that's sometimes that's just the person you need to be have on a team is just someone who is an example setter in hard work in attitude in mindset like Mm -hmm. she is kind of just a really great role model for people. And I would always like as point to her when I think about that. So. Well, and Ava, Ava is the exact type of player where, um, 
like new coach comes in, maybe there's slightly different strategy or just whatever, just a new set of eyes where I even mentioned in the piece, I'm like, I was trying to predict who might be playing. And I'm like, and for all I know, Ava Brewer will bust her butt over the summer and she'll just come in and, you know, earn an outside back spot. You don't know. Yeah because players like that are just such grinders. And this is this is way behind the scenes and no one asked for this, but I had been working on a giant, giant, giant Katie Duong feature in the winter and had to put it on hold because my sources were saying that she was going to be transferring. And then of course she has transferred to Stanford. But Ava was actually one of the players that I interviewed for that piece. And she had yeah. such she had such great insights on Katie as a teammate just because she was a, you know, Ava was a player who was going through those injuries and not able to be playing in those games. And from that perspective, you really learn how teammates treat you. You learn which yeah. teammates are really going to pick you up. And her perspective on how Katie treated her, I actually thought shined a big light on Ava because Ava was able to tell you know, and perceive how these teammates treated sort of an injured player or a less shiny player or a less, you know, someone who's getting less, fewer minutes, all those things. And so big, big shout outs to Ava for uh, answering all those questions, even though the piece has not been published. So we are, we are big Ava Brewer fans in this. (laughs) Um, And I think, um, you know, one thing I'm super curious about too, Lauren, obviously you're still, you know, you're still super young. You have, you have time in your college career, all those things, but in your college, you know, to finish your degree, all those things. But for you, has this early experience of having, you know, training experience and having to lead those sessions, is this something that's made you want to pursue coaching more or was it always something you considered or, how, you know, how do you think about um, coaching as something you want to do um, into the future now compared to before you were sort of sort of forced into that medical um, player retirement? Yeah, I think it was always something that I considered. And I mean, mostly because like my hometown club was so like close knit, you kind of knew everybody. So I felt like it would make sense for me to kind of, I mean, give back to that community that supported me for so long. And so I think that was always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, I will say like college coaching is difficult and I don't, (laughs) I don't know if I'm like, I would be ready for that as soon as I graduate. Like, let me just jump right into it. But I mean, I do think this experience has taught me a lot. And I think, I mean, as I've been growing through it, it's kind of become more of a, I guess, reality for me. Like that could be something I pursue in the future. Um, But I also think it's one of those things that even if it wasn't my career, I still would want to do it like on the side, even if it was just something I did on the weekends, because I just love the game of soccer so much. And I would want to do anything that kept me involved with it. So if that was even just like volunteering at, you know, a local, I guess, community college, or even just volunteering for a local team, like I would be honestly excited to do that as well. So I don't know if like kind of professional coaching or college coaching is (laughs) necessarily the thing, but I think just being able to be involved in soccer and around it is something that I will always want to do. So whether that's here or at a different school or at a club, randomly across the world i would be completely open to doing it so right well yeah look look out chanhassen soccer club you might have (laughs) lauren coming back and coaching bringing bringing back the glory days of the lrab the and so lauren a few only a few more questions from me some quick ones before we go to some listener questions which should be very entertaining i think oh boy so the last three i'll ask are ones that i'm going to try and ask you know folks in general from now on we'll throw you back to your playing days and when you were when you were out there ripping it up 
what was maybe one part of your game that you were always really proud of that you felt like other people were not recognizing or didn't always give you credit for? Ooh, that is a very good question. Um, I, I don't even know how to say this. I think my ability to do more with less was something yeah. that I kind of, and I, and I don't even know if it was because I wanted to do that or if it was because I didn't like running. So I would just do more with the little <laughs> amount of steps I took. But <laughs> I think I just like, I really enjoyed kind of, you know, finding a cool long ball or making a cool move. And honestly, sometimes I think about it and I'm just like, maybe I was just lazy and I just didn't <laughs> want to do more work. So I just you know, found cool ways to do stuff. But I don't know. I think that was always I, something that was kind of funny. And <laughs> I honestly think about it now and I think it was because I was lazy. But I I think, you know, yeah, but yeah, but you know what? I think turning um, like physical laziness into you being willing to try shit. I think that. <laughs> I think that's turning. I think that's turning a minus into a plus. I think you were. You know what? I agree with that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that from now on that it was a positive instead of a negative. Because I think that's. I think know, that's good. Yeah, like being lazy, it brings out new ways to do stuff. Honestly, <laughs> like, so I feel like maybe I shouldn't even say that as a negative. That should just I, be a positive from now I on. Do, I do think, and I do think you know, as much as we're joking about it, different coaches do deal with fitness differently and they do deal with those things differently. And Steph was, um, I think very accepting of different types of players, but she, she did have an incredibly strict sort of like pass the fitness test or you don't play type mentality. And, and, and that does mean, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but we played teams, the Minnesota played the teams this last spring where I would see certain players where I was like, I sort of can't believe you're a power five D one soccer player. Like there, there are just different, different um, skill sets, different body types, different whatever's where it's not the most obvious type presence on the field. And yet they were starters and really good players for other teams. And so I do actually think there's something to that of just um, obviously someone who's a physical beast is great. You know, someone who can just cover turf, you know, the obvious Sophia Bowman's of the world, Emily Hessens of the world, Molly Fiedler's yeah. of the world, or, you know, whatever, like dozens of players we could name. But there, I think there is actually something to players who just have a slightly different strategy. That's good. Um, and for you sort of, you know, we already talked about you work in multiple jobs, you have responsibilities with the soccer team, you have so much going on, you have classes. What are some things you do to relax and actually sort of change the pace after all the time you have to invest into the team and your other responsibilities? Um, I mean, I think during the winter, it's a little bit harder, especially here because the winters are awful and they last for way too long. But I think in the summer, um, I really enjoy biking. I really, I, I well, I kind of enjoy it. Sometimes when it's too hot, it's not really my thing, but then I'll just go for like a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a lot of music as well. I think that's something that I, I think a lot of athletes and just people in general lean on because it's so accessible in this day and age. So um, I think that's one of those things that regardless of how old I get and how much stuff I have going on, listening to music will always be something that like calms me down. So yeah, just as a nice way to sort of pivot your brain into a different space, turn it off, all those things. Yeah. And then, and then the last one I have is, you know, what's one issue or topic that you care a lot about that you want fans or followers to, you know, invest some time in or think about or read about or what, you know, those types of things. Um, I mean, I think one that 
is, I guess, a little bit obvious to Minnesotans right now is kind of what's going on at the George Floyd Memorial. Um, it's a pretty recent one, but I think it's something that's worth looking at because, mm-hmm. you know, to think about that the trial really didn't happen that long ago, and now they're already going through and, you know, taking down, you know, these the artwork and all these things that people had created to basically memorial, obviously memorialize that time and that moment. And so I just think it's a really important thing for people to look at because it kind of shows you how much the media really relies on, you know, this like perfect pic, like, okay, we got the memorial, this is great, okay, but now the trial's over, now we're done. And like, right. it's just how much they move on as soon as something kind of gets settled. But, right. you know, George Floyd in that whole incident is not just, you know, one moment. It's one moment right. in this timeline that's been happening for, you know, decades, centuries at this point. And so I just think it's something right. that it's worth looking into because it is kind of in our own backyard. And it's something that I hope people can relate to being from this city. So. Right. Well, and I, yeah, I'm, well, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I, it's, it's so hard, I think, for folks who, um, Maybe if you're new to trying to learn about, you know, racial justice, if you're if you're new to learning about, um, you know, challenges with public safety, all these different things, it's it can feel like you're trying to like climb a mountain all at once. But I think if yeah. folks if folks are new to that space, I think you know, as Lauren said, just just try and read multiple sources. You know, try and check out multiple places. You know, if you have a traditional place you go for your information, that's fine and try and add one or two different places. I think that's the thing I try and remind folks of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of decent community journalists. There's a lot of decent journalists in, in the area. Um, and I know, you know, I live in St. Paul, we in Midway, um, we felt, you know, the the unrest that happened last year was real and it was because of those, those raw emotions that took place and also folks coming in from, you know, from elsewhere. But I think, yeah. you know, glad to hear you elevate that Lauren and we'll try and keep elevating that too. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's really impactful for especially for a lot of folks who grew up in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Uh, it's as you said, it's only the most recent, you know, um, traumatic incident. And it, you know, every traumatic incident re-exposes those past feelings. And so, yeah, as much as folks can expose themselves, that's great. Um, yeah. And so now we are going to pivot into some listener questions. Uh, Lauren, you were a very popular person. I got a lot <laughs> of responses from people. Oh, gosh. For, First, we're just going to go through in the order I got these messages back. First, I would love for you to speak about the Elrob Shuffle. Oh, jeez. Can we learn? Can uh, we? Can we what, it, what, <laughs> what is this? Can we see like a waste up demonstration of this? Can we? What can we learn about this? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think I already know who this was from just based off of the name there. But basically, I mean, I've, I've mentioned that I don't like running. And so basically when I run, I do this very, very slow shuffle, which is, you know, some people call it like the, you know, like the suicide shuffle where you're just like basically just shuffling along. And I do that basically every time that I would run before practice. And I would get made fun of, I'm not gonna lie. Like I would get made fun of for it, but at least I was running. At least I was trying to stay active, but I can't believe, I can't even believe you said that. 
it honestly at first i thought it might be like a legitimate like dance move i was going i was going back to like super bowl shuffle i was like in my head i'm like throwing back now after you say it it reminds me of when i i kicked for three years on a football team and there was like they would say stirring the pot because linemen would run like this <laughs> and was doing this now it reminds me of someone who's just like trying to move their arms yeah that's pretty close that's pretty close to what it is I, I move my arms more than I move my legs. We'll yeah. Well, yeah. You were, but also, let's just say you were being smart. You were preserving your energy. Well, turn exactly. That exactly. We can't let we can't let he who must not be named win. <laughs> and 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 he he will know obviously. And this this is also probably not uh, a secret of who where this is coming from. When do you plan on doing fitness with the fitness coach? That's this is another <laughs> question. <laughs> Um, well, you know, my schedule is pretty busy, I will right. say, but, um, maybe, maybe this Friday I can get out there and do the focus finish Friday, even though I really would not like to do that because those workouts are just insane. We have, well, and you have, you also have, you have a permanent doctor's note. I mean, like we don't need you. That's to a good point. Me. We don't need you to be risking. We don't want to learn to be risking. Your health. <laughs> Although I will say, I will say we can we can name Corey because uh, I'm sure he's the one who sent these both in. I honestly can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he was. That I have said to Corey that if he really wants to challenge himself, he could try training me, and then that <laughs> would be a good uphill climb. Get like a 33 year old, 200 uh, pound man back into soccer shape. Let's like see how that works. To see, yeah. people speak highly of Corey, but he's never really had a challenge like this. I think that's true. That's true. Be, that's that I might have to just kind of connect you guys and get that going. Right, right, so maybe, right. Maybe he'll get off my back if he has someone else to work on. Or maybe you can you can just watch me and then you'll feel really good about yourself <laughs> if we do that. We we also have we also have a question about um, your your pet ownership. You you are an you are a, a cat mother of two cats. I, Lauren, what how long has that been going on? And and what's your what's your cat um uh, mothering. How is that going? Um, so originally I was supposed to get two, but I only ended up getting one. Okay. And so I don't actually know where he is right now. Right. But um, his name is Ike. He's he's a little bit annoying. I will say he's yeah. he's a little bit like a dog. Like mm -hmm. he follows me around everywhere, and it's not something I would have expected from right. a cat. But I mean, it's kind of nice to have someone here. But I also. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm kind of surprised someone asked because I was thinking about it and I was like, my parents actually don't even know that I have a cat. So right. I guess now they do, which. We'll, well, we'll see. We'll see if they're <laughs> fans of the show. We'll see if the Roberts household is our fans of the show now. <laughs> You'll find out if they text you. after. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm going to get a text here in a few minutes. Right, right, right. That's So how, how, how old is the cat? How new is the cat? Um, he's four years old, so he's not like a kitten, but right. he's he's pretty full grown. He's actually like kind of large, which yeah. I also wasn't expecting. Um, I think it's a little bit easier than I would. I was thinking about getting a dog, but right. I also didn't know like with soccer and time yeah. and stuff like that. I didn't feel like it would be the best decision. So, yeah, a, I have a cat. A, um, as, a dog, as a dog owner, we have two dogs, and I will tell you, they rule every element of your schedule. Cats are way more chill. I grew up with yeah. cats love cats but how long have you had ike it's only been a week actually today so oh, it's very very new 
Yeah. This is recent. This is good stuff then. Good job. Good job <laughs> to the people I message. This is great. And I, I love that you just got a random giant four-year-old cat. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. And so the last question is, I don't know how sensitive this will be for you. We do have one last one. And how did your anatomy class go? Well, um, it's went as well as I think an anatomy class could go. Sure. Um, I will say like, I, so I think I should probably say this. I was originally a kinesiology major okay. and was like super kind of into that. And I think part of the reason was because of my soccer. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of after like I stopped playing and I guess kind of like COVID happened and was quarantined and all of these things. And I just went through this whole, I think like internal dilemma of like, is this really what I want to do? And so I, of course I was already in this anatomy class, so I couldn't get out of it at that point. And okay, now I'm an English major, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think I should just leave it at that. Like that's how the anatomy class went. I'm an English major now. <laughs> And and I and I can Lauren, I can relate. I will empathize with you. You know, I did I did poli sci and communications. I didn't take bio. I mean, I didn't I didn't subject myself to anatomy or chemistry or ochem or any of those things. Of course not. You're just going to you're gonna be smarter with words. You're gonna exactly use, you're gonna use your words. That's, That's what good. I'm hoping. I think now I couldn't really tell from the message I got whether it was someone who equally suffered through that anatomy class with you or whether it was someone who just got to observe your suffering. So we, <laughs> I don't know what tone that message was sent in. It seemed to be sent in love, but we- I, Well, I would hope so. I mean, I can guess who it was though, because I mean, two of the girls from the team were in the class with me and we all struggled through it together. Yes. So. <laughs> I, it seemed like a shared suffering for sure. Yeah. And and I will say too, the team in general is so like absurdly academically accomplished that anytime I bring up academics, I'm usually, you know, speaking like way uphill to these like these smart people like you who just like crush it academically. So we should preface it by saying all of these questions are asked from a humble space academically yes. for sure. Yes. Well, Lauren, I know obviously there's a coaching search going on now. I don't know if you're, you know, hoping to stick around as a student assistant if possible. Is that sort of what you'd be hoping to do in the fall? Yeah, that's kind of like my mentality going into it. And obviously I don't know how that's going to end up. I right. mean, it's just student assistants and assistants in general, I feel like vary so much from coach to coach on what they right. need. And so if that's not in the cards, that's not in the cards. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like overly fight for it because I know that this is someone else's, this is how someone else wants to run things. And that's, sure. you know, I have to respect that. Right. Um, but I will say that it would be very nice to come back. Um, right. I've really enjoyed, you know, my time here so far. And I think I'm just kind of at the beginning of that, you know, this whole journey and learning and coaching. So, I mean, it would suck to be done, but also I completely right. understand, like I'm not, you know, right completely against, you know, their, their methods of coaching and things like that. So. I, well, and I think, I think for you and so many other staff associated with the program, wh where I'm holding my hat is maybe the transition will be so quick that aside from you all being really great, the new coach will also just want to transition in a smooth, easy way. And they'll want to keep you all around. So that's, that's how I, as a, as a, you know, supporter of so many of the great staff associated with the program, that's what I'm assuming may happen. Um, but Lauren, thanks so much for your time. Lauren Roberts, 
you know, played played her year with the Gophers as a player, had to medically retire, now an outstanding student assistant, uh, taking her time away during her busy summer of multiple jobs. Lauren, thanks so much for the time. Of course, I really enjoyed it. All right.